بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا سکس آف سپٹمبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ And the last thing I mentioned was the great love that a famous Tabi'een, Thabit al-Bunani, rahmatullahi, had for this most glorious deed. Salah is also an immense protection from calamities. In Behaqi, in Shu'ab al-Iman, number 9051, Tanzul Oman, number 20,343. Our beloved messenger, he said, sallallahu alayhi wa that no other than the Almighty and Glorious subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says, I intend to punish the people of the earth. However, when I see those who come to my house, those who love each other for my sake, and those who seek forgiveness during the latter part of the night, I then halt their punishment. <laughs> so in this hadith Qudsi, Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, He intends to punish, meaning you are worthy to be punished. But He mentions three specific deeds. And because of those three specific deeds, He withholds the punishment. Mm-hmm. The first is those who come to the masjid. Think about that. So when you actually come to the masjid, you are actually giving a tremendous security for the people on the earth. Mm-hmm. The second, those who love each other for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third, those who seek forgiveness during the latter part of the night. Mm-hmm. Because then I withhold the punishment. Subhanallah. Mm-hmm. And in a similar report, our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if it was not for those who offer salah, milk feeding infants and grazing animals, then the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have come upon you severely, correcting you by force. Recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir 22-309, Behaki in his Sunan 3-345. So here the Holy Prophet is extending, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, if it wasn't for those who offer salah, meaning those who offer the prayers, Allah ta'ala withholds punishment because of the ones offering prayers. Milk feeding infants, and grazing animals. The punishment would have come upon you severely, look what he says, correcting you by force. Mm. Meaning Allah will do that to bring you back, like you're using a whip. If somebody goes astray, in the good old days, you give him a crack to get him back on track. This is the crack of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning even that is good for you. But, The fact that he withholds it because of these three things shows the immensity of these three things. Two of them have got nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. Milk feeding infants, grazing animals. But the first is those who offer salah. Mm-hmm. So combine the reports. Mm-hmm. Those who come to the masjid protect the people on the earth. Mm-hmm. Those who offer salah protect the people on the earth. Mm-hmm. So you're actually combining two deeds. You've come to the masjid and you're offering salah. Both of them protect the people from being punished. So note, salat is an immense protection from calamities. Mm-hmm. 
Consider also that our beloved Messenger says, were it not for the breastfeeding infants, the elderly men bowing in salah, and the grazing beasts, then undoubtedly you would have been subjected to severe chastisement from above. <laughs> this is recorded in Behaki and Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi in his Ihya, volume 1, page 426, in the chapter on the mysteries of Salat and his greatness. So now another category is mentioned. Elderly men bowing in Salah. Look how interesting. <laughs> Why? Because the elderly men, they find it difficult to move from position to position. <laughs> so even when the elderly men bow into Ruku, you notice that they take a lot of time to get into Ruku. Because, you know, the joints are stiff. You know, the machinery is not as well, you know, polished. <laughs> da Allah uses to stop you from being punished. So when you go to the masjid and you see an elderly gentleman struggling to go into ruku, you should say, Alhamdulillah, this man is protecting us. <laughs> now think about that. This isn't even talking about salat as a whole. If his ruku is protecting you, what about his sujood? What about his qiyam? What about his jalsa? What about his tasleem, his tatweed? So note, we don't value salat. Right? You should realize that Salat is something priceless in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thus, we should be ever so grateful and truly value all our beloved elders when they offer their prayers at the dead of night and especially when they bend to offer their rukus. Notice when you go with the elderly, they, they offer tahajjit more frequently. And when they go into ruku, another great protection, mashallah. Thus the greatest of men after the prophets and messengers alayhi salatu wa salam, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he simply said, by performing salah, a person secures the protection of Allah on the earth. Subhanallah. By performing salah, a person secures the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the earth. This is recorded by Imam Hakim in his Mustadrak, Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 523 of the New English Translation. So now, why is this quite interesting? Also humorous. Because who are protecting the non-Muslims? Muslims. And how are we protecting them? Salah. What do they mock? The very deed. Look how you know, humorous that is. Have you ever heard them mock anything else? You go, oh yeah, put, uh, are you praying again? Is it time for prayer again, is it? Oh, prayer my time. <laughs> and look at the irony of that. They're mocking something which is protecting them. <laughs> now imagine you actually told them that. You said, well, you won't, you're not going to believe this. But the very thing that you're mocking is what's protecting you from getting wiped out. <laughs> at the very least, it'll make him think twice. Why? Because what goes through your mind? What if he's right? <laughs> Now, if it protects that person, then what about the one offering it your fruitcake? You know, Bole Bali Musulman, what's special about Salat? I'm protecting in Dawkins. Think about that. I'm protecting Dawkins. So what's he going to do for me? SubhanAllah. And notice Abu Bakr, he just gave you the answer. You know, if you look at that report, he didn't go into all the other texts, he just goes, this is the answer. Take my word for it. Our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi love for this glorious deed 
can also be gauged from his famous utterance to Bilal. What did he say to Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu? O Bilal radiallahu, give us rest with the Salah. O Bilal radiallahu, give us rest with the Salah. This is in Abu Dawood number 4946. Ahmad in his Musnad 7-653. Shaykh al-Bani stated Sahih in Sahih Sunan Abi Dawood 4-296. So now, this is a famous hadith. You hear it quite often. You read it quite often. But something is missed. <laughs> Why? Because people are explaining the reports. They're narrating it. So what very fine point is easily missed here? <laughs> Hafiz ibn Qayyim, he explained, Rahmatullah in his Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib, page 72 of the New English Translation. He, sallallahu alayhi wa never said, never, Give us rest from it. Did he ever say that? Oh Bilal, give us rest from Salat. He goes, he never said that. He always said, give us rest with the Salah. Thus, there is a world of difference between the one who offers Salah just to fulfill the obligation. And another who feels a special peace and contentment within it. Mm. How often are we guilty of that? It's time for Salah, brothers. Let's get it, let's get it over and done with. <laughs> you don't even realize what you're saying sometimes. And everybody goes, yeah, come on, it's time. Yeah, you know, let's quickly uh, quick, use the word quickly as well as if it's like, you know, it's a burden. <laughs> get it out of the way, innit? It's, just get it, it's, it's getting in the way of football, innit? Let's get it out of the way. <laughs> and then you go. What are you saying? You know, obviously you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean. Don't put me in it. Astaghfirullah. Complete opposite of what Rasulullah said. Gave us rest with salah. Meaning, when he wasn't offering salah, he was restless. So he told Bilal, he goes, like he was yearning. Come on, Bilal. <laughs> Isn't it time yet? Give us rest. Be honest, when we hear the azan, do we yearn for salah? Or do we think, Time to report back to the master. <laughs> There's a huge difference between the two states. So Rasulullah was highlighting that he felt a very special peace and contentment with Salat. It was for this reason that Anas that our beloved messenger said, Salah has been made the coolness of my eyes. Salah has been made the coolness of my eyes. This is in Nasai, number 3949. Ahmad in his Musnad 4-330. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jami number 3098. Again, have you heard that report? Yes. Have you understood it? No. <laughs> MashaAllah, you're learning. Salah has been made the coolness of my eyes. So you ask a person, what does that mean? So a person goes, it means that, you know, that the Prophet, you know, he enjoyed Salat. And he goes, is that all it means? That he enjoyed Salat? It is noted by the scholars that cool tears only leave the body due to joy and ecstasy. Hafiz ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he mentioned different types of tears. If you are weeping out of grief, your tears are warm. Next time you weep, feel it. It's warm. 
if you weep out of joy and ecstasy, it's cool. Now, that's not normal. People, it's rare for people to weep out of joy. And how do we know it's rare? Because there's a hadith. The hadith is in Tabarani, Hassan. And Rasulullah came to visit Abu Bakr, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, came to visit Abu Bakr, radiyallahu at noon. And Abu Bakr, radiyallahu said, this must be very important. Why? Because nobody visits at noon. And Aisha, radiyallahu said, Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would visit Abu Bakr's dwelling twice every day. Think about that. Not Abu Bakr visiting the Prophet. Rasulullah would visit Abu Bakr in his dwelling twice every day. So what's the significance of that? The hadith is in Ahmad, in his Muslim, and the Sahaba said, when Rasulullah wanted to visit, uh, would, would uh, want to visit the, the masses, they would meet him in the masjid. He would, he would you know, give them an audience in the masjid. But when he wanted to visit a noble, he would visit them in their dwelling. So this is the sunnah of the Prophet. So if it's the masses, they would come to him in the masjid. But if they were noble, he would visit them. So apply that to Abu Bakr. Rasulullah visited him twice every day in his dwelling. And this time he came a third time. Noon. And Abu Bakr went, yeah, something's happened. So when Rasulullah walks in, he says to Abu Bakr, who else is in the dwelling? So Abu Bakr said, my daughters, Asma and Aisha. So the Prophet said, tell them to leave. So Abu Bakr said, they're your family. Ya Rasulullah. You know, they're my family, they're your family. The Prophet then said, I've been given permission to migrate. Abu Bakr then said, with bated breath, and who will accompany you, Ya Rasulullah? The Prophet smiled. He goes, you, O Abu Bakr. And then Aisha said, look, these are the words now. This is what I'm mentioning here. Aisha Radiyallahu said, I then saw my father shed tears. Mm. And I have never seen before that day anybody shedding tears out of joy. <laughs> so it's not normal. But Abu Bakr understood the significance. The Rawafid don't. MashaAllah. Right? So why is Abu Bakr weeping? Somebody goes, MashaAllah, he's, he's with the Prophet. Why is he weeping out of joy? Why is he ecstatic? Because there's a hadith. In Hakim in his Mustadlak Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, the Prophet asked Jibreel alayhi He goes, Oh Jibreel, who will accompany me upon the migration? Jibreel said, Abu Bakr Siddiq. In other words, the Prophet didn't just say, Well, because you're my close friend and you know we've grown up together, it's only right you should come with me. <laughs> like some fruitcakes might make you think. He was his best friend. They're not going on a camping trip. You rolled the Prophet down to that level. The Prophet doesn't speak from his own desire. So when Abu Bakr Siddiq asked, who will accompany you? He was really asking, who is the fortunate one, if any, that Allah the Almighty has appointed to be with you? That's why, he, because of his humility, he didn't put it like that. He goes, who, if any, will accompany you? And the Prophet smiled. He goes, you, O Abu Bakr. And he wept out of joy. So what did the Prophet say about Salah? Salah has been made the coolness of my eyes. He goes, I get so much pleasure, you don't understand. In fact, he would warn people, don't play behind me at night. <laughs> I was shocking about that. 
Why would you pray behind somebody at night? They shows the sahaba. They just wanted to be with him even in the middle of the night. Imagine normally you think, okay, daytime I'll be with the sheikh. Nighttime I want to knock out. The sahaba goes, day and night we want to be with him. If he's in the, we're going to pray behind him. The prophet told him, don't do it. And then we know the famous reports. Sahaba prayed behind him. His back went. Another sahaba said, I had a bad thought. What was the bad thought? I thought, I can't pray with the prophet. I want to break my salat. One was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the other was Hudayfa, two serious Ab. So uh, why was that? Because Rasulullah taught us about Salat. Don't you think he knows what Salat is? Allah Ta'ala gave it directly to him on the Mihraj. He understood the value of Salat. So what we have to do as laymen is learn about Salat. You know, people say it's Farad. Straight away you've given the impression it's a duty, just get it done. You know, you might not have said that explicitly, but is that what the Prophet instructed the Sahaba with? He taught them the love of Salat, the value of it. In fact, when Salat was made Farad, the companions, they were so ecstatic. Because finally, now why is that shocking? <laughs> Person embraces Islam. And then you go, brother, yeah, there's, a, there's five prayers you've got to pray in a day. Does he start jumping up and down? Five prayers. Right? And he goes, what, can I pray three? Negotiations start like Donald Trump, right? So there's the Sahaba in it. Why? Because they knew the value. Who taught them that the Prophet is? However, such is the mercy of our Lord that our beloved messenger said this. Now, this is again showing how great Allah is. He knows this better than ourselves. If you only had those reports, how would you feel? You'd feel like a hypocrite. You think, oh my God, I'm just banging Salata. Am I wasting my time? So Allah Ta'ala who knows you better than yourself, look what he says. In Dabarani in his Kabir, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala with pleasure. If you cannot, with perseverance. For perseverance in something which you don't like, still contains much good. Subhanallah. Allah Ta'ala knows you. You might be embarrassed to even ask. Thinking, I can't ask. I don't get enjoyment out of Salat. <laughs> you don't need to ask. You don't need to ask. Study. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala has answered on behalf of, you know, your question. He goes, there's only 2,000 people who pray. And notice, he doesn't mention Salat here. He mentions worship, but your mind straight away goes to Salat. There's two types of worshippers. One does it with pleasure. Be honest. What percentage of the Ummah worship with pleasure? It's going to be a very... Small percentage. Mm-hmm. Then there's a second, and that's the bulk of the ummah. They do it because it's, it's a you know you have to do it. You have to persevere, like going to the gym. You know I don't like going, brother, but I'm gonna go to the gym. I don't like going to jog in the morning, but I'm gonna do it. I don't like eating. I like to eat, you know, crap. But I eat good food. Why? Because persevering. So the Prophet said, if you can't worship your Lord with pleasure, do it with perseverance. Look what he said. That still contains much good. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. The Prophet didn't say, that's a very poor level of worship and you're fortunate that Allah has accepted it. <laughs> he goes, it still contains much good, meaning do it either way. <laughs> but, be honest, don't you want to taste it? <laughs> Every now and again you get a taste, you know, it's, you, know you might be one, one of them and some day you feel like a sob and then you know this isn't going to last. <laughs> And then you start grieving in Salah, thinking, well, why can't I have this all the time? You've got to strive for it. 
The value of this glorious deed can also be gauged from the words of Hafiz ibn Kathir. What did he say? In Al-Bidayah, volume 3, page 121-123, he said, The more acceptable view is that the leading of Salat by Rasulullah on the night of Isra al-Mihraj occurred after the Mihraj ascension rather than before it. Otherwise, there would have been no need for Jibreel to introduce the prophets at each level of the heavens if he had already met them in Masjid al-Aqsa. If this is so, then the first obligatory Salat of this Ummah was prayed by all the prophets and messengers. So again, look how shaitan brings people in and makes you miss the crunch. Now we are fine of fascinating. Every time it happens. Because when it gets to the crunch, right? So you missed it, probably missed it. I missed it as well. I was I was relating it to you. So let's go through it again. Isn't it? Shaitan probably whining another guy when I had to come through. So what did I say? What did Hafiz ibn Katib say? He said, did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa did he lead the prophets before he went on the mihraj or when he came back? Have you understood? So on the face of it, think, wait, does it matter, does it? Does it really matter? Of course it matters. Ibn Kathir said, he prayed after he came back. Why? He goes, because when he was going on the mihraj, which prophets did he meet? And they were being introduced. This is your father. This is Adam. Adam, this is your son, Muhammad. They would have said, well, we just met. We prayed in Masjid al-Aqsa. Why are you introducing us again for? So Ibn Kathir said, therefore, the prayer of Rasulullah was when he came back. Have you understood? Somebody goes, okay. But there's another hammering point he comes out with. If this is so, what does that mean? Bole bali musulman. The first farad salat of this ummah was offered by who? The prophets. Any non-prophets? You know, people don't have, you know, they talk about Isra Mi'raj. You miss something, brother. Put your brakes on. This prayer, all the prophets prayed. Mashallah, I know that. But isn't there something you're supposed to tell us here? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, Rasulullah led the prayer. Well, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. But isn't there something, you know, that if you don't mention that, you're slapping. <laughs> Let's put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. Then he goes, oh, yeah, and he's slapping them, what have I missed? <laughs> that was the first fun of the prayer. Mm-hmm. Then he goes, all right. Which prayer was it? <laughs> Isha. <laughs> How did Allah Ta'ala honor the deed of Salat? He didn't allow any non-prophets to offer the first Farad prayer. Look at the honor he's given that deed. 124,000 prophets all line up behind the prophets that allowed it. That was the first Farad prayer. Only then thereafter did the Sahaba get involved. So Ibn Kathir said, this is why it's important to highlight this. Now another question people, and this, all this is... You're missing the point, but I'll discuss it briefly. Were the prophets in their bodily form or were they in the barzakh? <laughs> and look how you're missing the point. What I've just told you is so important. You're discussing things that don't have to be more. You know, what you learn, what, it doesn't matter, does it? 
Whether they have barzakh, whether they have come in bodily form, I don't know. Do I? How does that benefit me? They prayed behind the Prophet. And the scholars, some scholars say they came in their bodily form, some say it was the barzakh, but they all prayed behind him. Now, who was in the front of? <laughs> no, we don't even think. Who were the four greatest after the Prophet? Ibrahim, where's this? Mashallah. So these were the ones directly behind Rasulullah. Think about that. You can picture that. Hang on a minute. Rasulullah is in front. Mashallah. Who's behind him? His father, Ibrahim. Right? Who's to his shoulder? Probably Musa. Right? Who's on the other side of Ibrahim? Probably Nuh. And who's there? Isa. Subhanallah. And then you think, who are the next prophets? The ones mentioned in the Quran? Probably the fronts of <laughs> Harun, Suleiman, Dawood. <laughs> and this is just the beginning of the fronts of. Imagine the whole of Aqsa filled with Anbiya, What does the Quran say? <laughs> A land that we have blessed. <laughs> you know, we hear that version again. And the people, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> You've lost plot, brother. <laughs> right? Where else in the world has all the prophets prayed together? <laughs> Not even the Kaaba. <laughs> It's only Masjid al-Aqsa. Mm. This is the status of Masjid al-Aqsa. And the scholars say, Rasulullah, that's why he went there. Mm. Allah Ta'ala wanted Aqsa to be given that honor as well, that Rasulullah prayed there. We're coming back to the subject, the first Falad prayer. Allah Ta'ala gave it to the prophets. Now another question, which is worth pointing out. Was it further than the other prophets? Interesting. This Ummat is Farad, but they are not from this Ummat. You can argue Jesus Christ, wasalam, okay, mashallah. So again, the some scholars say it was, some say it wasn't, but it was a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever the case, the prayer was Farad for us. Most say it was Farad because it was a Farad prayer ordained. So again, note, and also it shows the reward of Isha. Right? The Isha prayer, how valuable it was. Allah Ta'ala could chose any of the prayers. He chose the Isha prayer for this. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those imagine the divine attention and mercy descending in that glorious haram at that most auspicious of times. How do we know? Abu Dhar radiallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu alayhi wa La yazalullahu muqbilan ala al-abdi fis salati ma lam yaltafit fa idha salafa wajhahu in salafa anha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly focuses upon a man during his salah just as long as he does not look here and there. For when a man diverts his attention, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also stops focusing upon him. This is in Nasa'i Abu Dawood Ahmad ibn Khuzayma. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Hassan in Sahih al-Tarheen number 555. So let's look at this. What did the Prophet say? That we say, you get what you put in. You know, we say that for every other thing except for that. But you get in gym, you get what you put in. Work, you get what you put in. You clock in, you clock out. When has anybody said to you, Salat, you get what you put in. If you focus, Allah focuses his attention on you. What does that mean? It means he's blasting you with, with rahmah and mercy. If your focus snaps, then Allah Ta'ala stops focusing upon you. So that's the hadith, authentic. Apply it to the first Farad prayer. Imagine 
they divine attention and mercy descending in that glorious harm at that most auspicious of times 124000 imagine completely engrossed with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you get this impression like you know like a laser coming down that he was blessed beyond measure and only then did rasulullah come back to latul uzza the quran says imagine it you know latul uzza what's happening here so this is why it's so important that we discuss every now and again the glorious deed of salah we say daily deed if you're doing something daily until you drop dead i want to know as much as i can about that thing if you don't talk about it what happens out of sight out of mind you you start to forget how important salat is you start to neglect the virtue of salat and then what happens your salat starts slipping your concentration starts going you stop attending the masjid you start praying at home what's happening you know you're not talking about it once you talk about it you get that just by again you think god so my salat my entire life has to be focused around salat not around anything else you know subhanallah so all i mentioned to, again today was the glorious deed of salah and not again it is an occupation in itself as abu darda said in sahih bukhari are there any questions let us subhanallah bihamdi subhanak allahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa bihamdi ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa bihamdi ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa bihamdi ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa bihamdi ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa bihamdi ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wa bihamdi ashhadu la ilaha illa anta ast